You've found a show that will explore how to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is both focused and balanced. Welcome to Live Exceptionally. In a world where we are constantly bombarded with demands on our time and attention, it can be difficult to find the space to truly live our best lives. But what if we could find a way to live exceptionally with a sense of purpose, freedom, and rest? Whether you're a busy professional, a stay-at-home parent, or anyone who wants to live a more focused and balanced life, this show is for you. Join us as we discover how to live exceptionally, finding freedom and rest along the way. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Welcome back to Live Exceptionally, where we equip people with keys and tools to live a kingdom lifestyle that is purposeful, focused, and balanced. In the Bible, the presence of God, when it talks about my presence or God's presence, it also means the face of God. And his face reveals his emotions and his feelings towards us. How comforting is it to know that when the presence of God goes with us, that he is with us, that he, his emotions, his thoughts, his feelings are towards us. In today's episode, I share a message called The Rest of God Settles Us from a women's retreat that I spoke at in Missouri. Be encouraged today. And when we look here in Exodus chapter 33, and it's ironically one of my favorite chapters uh, in the Bible, um, from the time I was in grad school, I used to read this chapter over and over when it said that Moses saw the face of God. Like how, what type of relationship do you have that you actually get to see a portion, a, pos- a, a, a little bit of God in person? He saw his face. And so when we look at the characteristics of the presence of God, I want to just lay a bit of a foundation as it relates to looking at the presence of God and us being settled settled in rest, settled in his presence. And so the presence of God, the first thing that we see as a trait is the prayer, that it consists of prayer. There's no way that we can be in the presence of God or have the presence of God if we're not spending time in prayer. So Moses' prayer, he says that he spoke more like a conversation. He spoke to God as a friend. The the word says, so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. And then when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And so Moses, he spoke to God face to face. It says the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, personal, that enter this dynamic that he went to God and he was so comfortable. Sometimes when we approach God in prayer, it's based on, oh, thou great Jehovah, high in the sky. And it's almost as if we're approaching someone who is afar off versus someone who we are acquainted personally with. And so that is such a important factor when he says the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. What is our conversation like when we speak to God? What is our conversation like when we're talking to God? So when we think about our relationship with God, are we able to speak to him like Moses did face to face as a friend? And this would begin to change our perspective, 
change our thought process that when we approach the throne of God in prayer, that we're not speaking to someone who is afar off. We're not speaking to someone who is high in the sky, but that his presence is with us. We're speaking to someone who we are in relationship with. If you are married, if you ever had a boyfriend or, a, or if you're married, or even a cousin, a favorite cousin, a close relationship with their mother or father, how you talk with them, camaraderie, the ability to share, the ability to be transparent, the ability, ability to be vulnerable. Because sometimes when we approach the throne of God, we don't speak the truth. That we have fears, we have anxieties, we have things that we're going through and things that we're experiencing that we don't share with God. But then how can he help us if we are not transparent and vulnerable with him? Yes, he knows everything, but he's waiting for us, for us to be transparent, for us to make our requests known to him in order for him to move. And so when we look at indicators of the presence of God, we see indicators in the Old Testament with the children of Israel in chapter 32 and 33, where they knew that God was present by the pillar of cloud by day to lead, the pillar of fire by night to give light, and they knew God was present that when enemies came, they were able to have be victorious and overcome and that no opposition would, would succeed over them. And then the word says in Joshua as well, which is the same period when he's talking to the children of Israel, that no one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. So there's these external indicators that God was present with them. He saved them. He redeemed them. He lifted them up. We look at the scriptures in all their distresses that the angel of his presence saved them. In his love, in his mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them all of their days. And so when we look at the word when it says my presence, my presence, it is God that is doing it. And I like how throughout the scripture they keep saying my, my presence, my presence, I will go with you. And so it's this focus on God. God is the one who does it. God is the one who saves. God is the one who redeems. God is the one who lives. God is the one who will allow you to oppose your enemies. God is the one that allows you to be victorious. It's God. He says, my presence, it is God that is doing it. And so he is identifying himself as the one and the only source that provides the favor and gives rest. My identifies and is equivalent to who he is, what he does, and who it is that goes with you. If I said, I'm going with you, that doesn't have as much significance as God saying, my presence, I'm the one that's going with you. So there's this external dynamic of the presence of God, but then we move and it talks about the internal dynamic that we see in the scripture, but also also inherently, because when you look up the word presence in the Hebrew, it also means the face of God, the face of God, the face of God. What do you think about when you think about face? 
The face of a person reflects their attitudes. The face of a person reflects how they feel, their emotions. It expresses what they may be thinking. You hear the expression poker face, right? People who are, have the ability to mask, people who have the ability to hide how they're feeling. But the Bible says, my presence, my face will go with you. And so it's not just a body part, but that it's engaged in some type of behavior that the face reveals emotions, the face re reveals a mood. It reflects intimacy with God. That when you see your friend, now that we have FaceTime and video and all these things, that the face reflects how a person is feeling. And so when, it looked, when we look throughout scripture and we look at the face of God, my presence, it reflects the attributes of his nature because we could never actually see his full face. Moses asked to see God's glory, but God said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. John 1.18 said, no one has seen God at any time. The, and in Corinthians, it talks about the knowledge of his glory is seen through Christ. So when he says, my presence, my face goes with you, this is something that is very significant because he is saying, not just externally, but now I'm all wrapped up with you, that it's an intimate expression, my face. You will be with me in an intimate way. I will be with you in an intimate way. It's my character, my nature, my essence, everything of who I am, everything of what I do, all these things will be with you. And so there's three things in this text that I see when he talks about the presence of God, the face of God, inherently the light of his presence. You know, in Psalms 44, it talks about, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. The light of his presence. We started off saying that his presence cannot tolerate darkness. His presence cannot tolerate sin. And that's why when we look at Exodus 32, as Pastor, the first lady that just spoke, talked about, was started in 32, rightfully so, because she set the stage that if we're not in right alignment with God, if our lifestyle, if our conduct, if our thought process, how we think, what we do, what we say is not in alignment with God, then it would be difficult for the presence of God to be with us. His presence does not tolerate sin. His presence does not tolerate darkness. His presence does not tolerate evil. His presence does not tolerate the works of the flesh. The light of his presence. When he says, my, pres my presence, my presence shall go with you. My face shall go with you. My light will go with you. The light of God. In Genesis, it talks about, let there be light. That's a simple prayer that we can pray. Let there be light. That when we're facing darkness, when we're facing things in our job, things in our family, things in our finances, when the enemy is coming upon us like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord can lift up a standard and we can say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light with my children. Let there be light with my family. Let there be light in my finances. Let there be light 
in my job situation, let there be light. If there's nothing else that you can say, let there be light. Let there be light. When you look at the word let, it means to allow. It means to give permission. It means to release, to permit, to allow the spirit of the Lord to move. Let there be light. And then the next thing we see in this scripture is favor. And we see the word favor repeated five times. It highlights the importance and applicability of its value and benefit to the recipient. Having favor relates to knowing the ways of God. To know God and his ways allows us to have his favor. Favor is a personal exchange between God and you. It's a personal thing. You know, we could say because we're saved, we have favor. Yes, we do. Because we're saved, we have an element of light. Because we're saved and we accept salvation, we have an element of favor. But when we begin to know the ways of God and come intimately acquainted with him, when we begin to seek the face of God, when we begin to be in the presence of God, there are a whole nother, there's a whole nother level of favor that we will begin to access. To know God and his ways allows us to have his favor. And so we see this progression of Moses praying to God about the people, interceding on behalf of the people because he knew that if God, and because of his character and his nature of light, does not tolerate sin, does not tolerate darkness, they were kaput. <laughs> Adios, there was no chance for them. So Moses had to either intercede. Moses had to intercede on the behalf of the people in order for God to still shine his light. And so the favor of God, the favor of God is expressed by his approval. The favor of God is expressed by acceptance. The favor of God the beautiful testimony that the lady shared uh, this morning why it's so important to hear testimonies because it begins to encourage us. It begins to lift our faith. If our faith it begins to push us forward and to recognize that God is in the midst. God is still working. God is still moving. That even though I may be going through a trial, even though things may not be very positive, even though things may not be where I want, that he's still on the throne. He's still a God of his presence. He's still a God of light. He's still a God of favor. He's still expressing his approval. He's still ex expressing his acceptance, his support, his provision, his power and his joy he is favor he gives us favor his presence is favor his presence is approval his presence is support his presence is providence his presence he's our shepherd he's our advocate he's our doctor whatever we need him to be his favor will be that for us the favor of God. In his presence, there is favor. With his presence, there's favor. I'm favored. Let there be favor. I decree and declare that I am favored. 
I decree and declare that I am accepted. I decree and declare that I am full of joy. I have provision. I have support. I have everything that I need when God is present with me. Our lifestyles and our habits should indicate to those around us that we have the favor of God. There should be something that separates us from others, that even though we may be going through difficult situations, that there's a light, there's a countenance, there's a difference in our countenance, that even how we go through our trials should be indicative of the presence of God in our life. That we're not walking with our head bowed down, we're not walking as if the world is on our shoulders because if we have the presence of God and his presence is with us, that there should be a different walk, a different perspective based on his presence that goes with us. And then when we look at, the, again, the internal dynamic of the face of God, it includes righteousness. Righteousness, which is aligned with what we talk about light because it says let there he he's light because he's light he doesn't he doesn't tolerate darkness but a part of that is righteousness because he's a righteous a, a righteous god he cannot tolerate darkness he cannot tolerate evil it goes against his very nature it goes against his very character the Lord is our righteousness. It refers to an ethical or moral standard that portrays his will and his nature in that he cannot tolerate anything that does not align with life. It stands for fidelity, truthfulness, integrity. And so the other part of it is not only about not tolerating it, but we look at our life as a people of God when people do us wrong, when people betray us, when people do wicked things to us, when people do things that are not right because he is righteous and he's our righteous God, then he will judge what they do to us. We don't have to take things in our own hands. We don't have to allow, take, be vengeful. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because it's a part of his, his character that he will avenge. He will avenge those people or those things that do not align with righteousness in our lives. And Daniel talks about he opens his eyes to see injustices. He opens his ears to hear desolations. So we can pray, so now, uh, God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas. And for your sake, Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see, Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and take action. He is a God of action. He's a God that moves. He's a God that moves on our behalf. He's a God that does things so that we can be in righteous standing, not just from a sin perspective, but that we would be in righteous standing in regards of pouring out his favor and compensating, recompense, restoration, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says that when the enemy is caught, that he has to repay sevenfold, sevenfold. So let there be a sevenfold recompense. Let there be a sevenfold restoration. Let there be a sevenfold 
blessing and favor of the Lord, bringing back, restoring all the things that the enemy has stolen from us. He's a righteous God, that we shall behold him in righteousness, that the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. When we embrace God, when we embrace his presence, we embrace light, we embrace favor, we embrace the righteousness of God. He is the Lord our righteousness. He is our advocate. He is our hope. He is our comforter. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our healer. He is righteous. That every time the enemy comes in to try to steal, kill, and destroy, he is life. He is love. He is freedom. He brings favor. So whatever you have in your life this weekend, whatever it is that doesn't feel right, whatever it is that the enemy is trying to do, this is the threshing floor for us to release it, for us to let it go and allow what is good, what is perfect, and what is the acceptable will of the Lord to come up even as we leave this place. He is our righteousness. So you might be saying, well, I've said all this, and what does this have to do with settle? <laughs> we can't settle unless we have the right perspective. We can't settle unless we have the right thinking. We can't rest in God unless we understand our part. It's conditional. It's based on covenant. We sometimes in the church can have a tendency where we expect God to do all these things, but we don't do our part. We expect God to bless, to give favor, but we're nasty. We expect God to bless our mess. We're not nice, we're not gracious, we have attitudes. Whatever your issue is, maybe it's not a personality thing, whatever it is, we can't expect God to bring light, favor, and righteousness if we are not doing our part. Settle means to dwell. It means to remain. It means to sit. It means to abide. Settle means to remain in one place. It means not shifting, not to and fro. We're living in the day where people run from church to church. Somebody stepped on my toe, so I can't deal with that person or that church anymore, and so I'm on my way. Settling means not wavering between two opinions. And so when he says to settle, which is not specifically the word in the scripture, but it's another uh, form of the word rest, that it involves, like the pastor who shared previously, shared personal fellowship with God. So that face, the face of God. Are we praying and worshiping from afar or are we in a posture of intimacy? The face of God. Settle, it means fellowship. Fellowship and sometimes the words that we have in English, they're not enough to really translate to how the word is actually meant in the Bible. But Settle to remain, to not waver, to not shift. It allows us, it gives us instructions and in how we first conduct ourselves in our everyday life. We settle in God. We remain in God. 
And, you know, when we think about the church, people say, oh, I don't have to go to church anymore because I can just go online. There's something about the corporate power, the power of corporate worship, the power of corporate. Yes, he gives us tools to do these things uh, externally, but there's something about being in the presence even within a corporate atmosphere. There's a power, there's honor, there's something about having an intimate relationship with someone. When we talk about fellowship, what is the degree of our fellowship with God? Is he afar or do we talk to him face to face? Do we talk to him when we're in need or do we talk to him every day, all day? Lord, I thank you. It was okay to be driving and not get into after two o'clock in the morning because I was worshiping, I was praying, I was calling on the name of the Lord and I delighted to be in that quiet time without interruption in his presence. We have so many distractions, so many things that capture our attention. And if you look in the New Testament, when the lady, the person who went knocking at the door at midnight, because they needed some help and the person didn't respond, says, late, go away. And the person kept knocking, kept knocking because they needed some food to help the host, to be a hostess. And then the person went to the house because the Bible says it was their friend. And he thought, or he or she went based on the premise of friendship in the middle of the night, expecting the friend to help. But the friend said, it's late, I'm tired, go away, come back, I'm paraphrasing. It was only because of his persistency why the quote unquote friend even opened the door. We have a God that sometimes it feels like we're knocking, 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 and he's not answering. Per chance, potentially, it's because he's trying to draw us close. He's trying to draw us closer. He's trying to draw us closer. He's trying to draw us closer to rest in him. We can't rest. We can't settle. We can't remain because we don't know him. Because if we knew and understood his character, then we would rest in his character. We would rest in his nature. I wrote a whole book on rest. I'm still every day. Lord, help me to rest. Help me to trust you. Help me to believe in you. Help me to obey you. But even as you bring these things, these tests, these trials, each way, the word says we're going from glory to glory. He's taking us higher and higher in trust, higher and higher in obedience, higher and higher in faith for us to just believe, for us to just rest, for us to just settle in him. So when we rest, it's, we look at the word in John 15, it's equivalent to abide. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And then the other, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll be like the vine, that we're attached to the vine. It's a mutually exclusive relationship that when we mutually abide and mutually exist together in God, there's no loss because he's present. He goes with us. And so we abide, we settle in his light. 
we abide, we settle in his love. We abide and we settle in his love to us, for us, with us. His word abides in us. Does it? Are we reading the word? Are we meditating on the word? Are we allowing the word to grow up in us? Because it's really the word that keeps us. When the trials of life and the fiery trials come and the enemy comes in our thinking on the left, on the right, to make us doubt, to make us not trust, to make us slip back, it's the word that's hidden in our heart that keeps us, that allows us to have the right perspective, the word of God. Does his love abide in us, his truth, which is the word, abide in us? The word says, it is the confidence of being in Christ. That we can have the peace of the presence of Christ within us, which empowers us. That we don't react. We don't respond in fear. We don't respond in stress and anxiety because of the confidence, the peace that we have in him, that he's in us, that his presence goes with us, where he says, I will give you rest. And so in order for us to experience that, we have to deepen the quality of our devoted time with him. We have to deepen how much time we spend with him the quality of our time. What does our devoted time look like? Is it while we're brushing our teeth? Is it while we're on the way to work, yelling at the kids in between, amen, thank you, Jesus? What does our devoted time look like? The only way that we can effectively rest and settle in God is that we deepen, get to know him, talk to him, Spend time with him. And he says, I, my presence shall go with you. When a person's presence goes, it means he or she are turning toward your direction. And so if we're doing our part, that means that God's face, his presence is now turning, turning towards you. And so when he says that my person, when his presence my presence shall go with you, that he's now turning in our direction. His face is turning toward us. His face, his approval, his protection, his provision, his support, his righteousness, his help, his comfort, his healing is turning toward us. And so he's paying attention. He's paying attention. He is paying attention to us. That when we abide, when we settle, when we rest, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Thanks for joining us for Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Each week we'll explore the secrets to living a life that is both intentional and fulfilling. We'll talk to folks that will share about productivity, mindfulness, and self-care to learn practical tips and strategies for staying focused, managing our time, and finding balance within a kingdom mindset. 
We'll also hear from people who have made the choice to live exceptionally and learn from their experiences and insights. Connect with Dr. Yvonne by signing up at elici.org. That's E-L-I-C-I dot org. Until next time, we're praying that you find balance and rest so you can live exceptionally.